good morning, everybody. Stand with us as we open in worship. Sing about that happy day. Sing along with us. The greatest day in history. Death is being you have rescued me. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. The empty cross, the empty grave. Life eternal, you have won the day. Sing it out. Jesus is alive. He's alive. my sin away, oh, happy day, happy day, I'll never be the same, forever I change. How many of you are so thankful that he changed you this morning? Amen. When I stand in that place, free and last, meeting face to face, I am yours. Jesus, you are mine. In this joy, perfect peace, earth and pain finally will cease. Celebrate, Jesus is alive. He's alive. And oh, happy day, happy day, you wash my sin away. Oh, happy day. Forever I am changed And oh, what a glorious day What a glorious way Hey, good morning, Sunset Hills. Are you glad to be in church this morning? It's good to see you. You're looking good. Our parking lot is full, and folks are still coming in. Isn't it kind of cool that that's happening this morning at, at our church? Yeah, it's good to see you. Thank you so much for taking time to come to worship, to be part of that happy day that, that God allows us to be a part of here. I pray it's a happy day for you, and as we gather together, that our worship would make God happy in what he sees here. If today's your first time to ever be at Sunset Hills, thanks for coming out. We would love to connect with you. We could do that through a couple of ways by texting hi to the number that's on the screen. Just fill out a little information there. Or if you haven't already done so as you came in, there's a place, a welcome kiosk out in the foyer. And you can do it the old-fashioned way of just putting your name and the address and information on a piece of paper. And we'd love to uh, see that as well. Either way works for us. At any rate, we're glad you're here this morning, whether you've been here 
like as old as some of you are for like uh, nearly a hundred years. Well, not quite, but there's a few that are close to that. And I won't mention any names, but if you're here for the first time, we're glad you're here as well. So let's all together worship and make God proud of what he's hearing today as we sing together. Well, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Sing it out this morning. Yes, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Yes, I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. I will say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. Yes, he has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for he has made me glad. He has made me glad. Made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. He has made me glad. He has made me glad. I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Yes, I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Oh, I will rejoice for He has made me glad. Amen. 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 There we go. Amen. Good morning. How's everyone doing this morning? Welcome to Sunset Hills Baptist. We're so... Hey, man. <laughs> hey, let so... me interrupt you a minute. You are like late. I'm telling you. <laughs> Six minutes late. Didn't we do that? I have already welcomed everybody. <laughs> oh, sorry. Good night. Good night. <laughs> Drop the mic. <laughs> Keep on singing. <laughs> <laughs> I saw it in his eyes. I could see as he was coming this way. We love it. We love Lord, it. be with us. Sing this with us this Amen. morning. Amen.
guys, help me out with this. High King of Heaven, when victory is won, may I reach heaven's joys, O bright heaven's sun.
God, when that day of judgment comes, we stand before you because you first loved us and we reciprocated that love by saying yes and submitting our lives to you. That God will hear you say, good and well done, my faithful servant. Until that day, God, will work. Until you call us home. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. So if you're not new, if you are new to our church and haven't been around for a while, you may have been wondering why it was that the pastor ushered, uh, ushered off uh, one of our staff members there. It's because normally that's Pastor Mike. Normally he does the welcome, and he was tied up with kids in children's uh, life groups, and he was just running late this morning and just didn't realize we were as far along in the service as what we were. So he was about to do the exact same thing that, that I had already done, so he didn't want to have to just have everything duplicated. So that's the reason I said, Mike, get out of here, go over the place and do uh, your job, okay? Hey, it's good to see you. Are you glad to be here this morning? Are you glad to be in God's house this morning? Yeah, it's good to be here, isn't it? I want to start out this morning with a confession to you about last week's sermon. If you were here or you watched by live stream, I preached about how John proclaimed Jesus as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A couple of John's disciples, uh, uh, John the Baptist, that is, his disciples decided to take Jesus up on the invitation, come and see, when they asked him the question of where are you staying, so they followed along with him. And during that sermon, I briefly described 2022 as being a difficult year, and it was for me, it was a difficult year for a lot of folk. I could fill in the blank with many descriptors of what last year was like. I could fill this in very easily and say, I have, during the year, a heart condition. That's one of the things that uh, made last year difficult for me. I could have easily say I have pain. I have both emotional and, and physical pain. Certainly, I, it was a year where I experienced some sadness, and I could actually put a lot of other words, along with a lot of other happy kind of words that I could fill in there. So as I was thinking about my sermon later in the day last Sunday, the thought occurred to me that maybe I focused too much about the difficulty of the year and omitted one of the most positive aspects of being a Christian. And there are many great aspects, there are many great benefits to being one of God's children, such as being forgiven of my sins. And because I'm forgiven of my sins, that means I'm not tied to guilt. I don't have to live a life of guilt. Certainly one of the great benefits of being a believer is inheriting eternal life. Another one is that I have the presence, and so do you if you're a believer, of the Holy Spirit within us as a help and as a companion in my life. I also have a personal connection with Jesus, and in that personal connection, that personal relationship, that grants me access to God the Father. And I, I don't have to go through someone else in order to pray for, to God. I have direct access with him. 
I also have, and this is important, peace with God because of what Jesus did that gave me the ability to have peace with God. All of those things I have, I could fill in this blank with. I also became part of a family. When I became a believer, I became part of God's family. I also became a part of a church family. And in that, I have had a tremendous support all of my life in the different churches that I've been a part of, but especially in this one, especially over this past year as, as my family and I were dealing with some of the things that I've been talking about. I had your support, your love. You've been there for me. You've been there for my family, and I'm truly grateful for that. And I've got so many other uh, benefits by being a Christ follower, by being saved. But what I failed to communicate, I believe, most effectively was this. I have hope. I have hope. No matter what came up in my life last year, I was never without hope. And one of the great benefits and positive aspects of being a Christian... Man, everything seems to be going wrong today. <laughs> and this is bugging the daylights out of me over here, so I'm going to go ahead and fix that while I'm at it. One of the great benefits, one of the positive aspects of being a Christian is to have hope. Now, I want you to understand when I say I have hope, it's not a self-manufactured kind of hope. It's not even a me and Jesus sort of hope. It's not me and him working together that produces the hope that I'm talking about. My hope is not in my ability to follow him. My hope is not me checking off items from a list of good deeds. That, that's not where my hope comes from. It's not bad to do that, but that's not what gives me hope. My hope is not in anything that I'm able to do. If it was, it would fail me because to be able to hope in myself is a problem. It's problematic, it's faulty, and it's subject to failure. I have hope for one reason, and it's because I have Jesus. That's the reason I have hope. In the words of the old hymn written nearly 200 years ago, it, it, the, the hymn says, My hope is built in Jesus' blood and righteousness. That's where my hope is. You see, I have hope because I have a Jesus who died for me, a sinner. So if I failed to get the message across last week, I want it to ring loudly today, and hopefully there's no interference from a, a PA system that seems to be having problems. I want you to hear that I have hope. And even though last year was a hard year, 
because of what Jesus has done in my life, I have never lost hope. We need hope. There are far too many people living without hope. It's been said that a person can go 40 days without food, three days without water, and three minutes without air, but we can't last a single second without hope. The world needs hope. And more and more it seems that increasing numbers of people are living without hope. Not the kind of hope I'm not talking about that society offers. In our modern English vernacular, we use the word hope to describe our wants, our desires, what we dream about. And society kind of teaches us to place our hope in things or in ourselves, in others in humanity or upon science so that's what the world is trying to teach us where our hope should be placed let's redefine or define hope or or rather redefine it Webster's dictionary does not distinguish the world's different definition from the, the Bible's definition And it's important that we take a look at the difference in the two. Webster's definition represents kind of the world's definition of hope. And it describes how the world sees hope this way. A feeling of what is wanted will happen. Desire accompanied by expectation. There are two parts to this that creates a problem when we think of what real hope is and it weakens the definition the first one is the word feeling if I base hope on feeling my hope is thereby subject to disappointment I would be in a real sad place if I placed my hope in how I feel because hope is not about feeling and certainly this last year has taught me that as I experienced a roller coaster of ups and downs throughout and throughout my life how I feel is no guarantee to hope and the other part of the definition that creates a problem is Desire accompanied by expectation. Once again, this does not adequately define my hope. I can, I can desire with all the expectation I can muster up, and it does not guarantee my hope. And this definition that Webster has falls far short. It's a false hope. It's the world's definition that creates a false hope. You see, false hope, seems to be self-sufficient. It believes that we can come up with solutions to problems that really have plagued our world since the beginning of time. But what humanity has placed its hope on has always proven to be false. If that were not the case, 
Will we not have already solved man's problems? The kind of hope that that is, that they have pushed for so long that we are so accustomed to hearing about, there is some truth to it. That kind of hope may work for a season, but it's temporary. And when real testing comes, sort of like some of us have had this past year in 2022, and again, I don't want to focus on that, but I want to tell you, that didn't work last year for me. When real testing comes, I have found that I have to place my hope in something that is far bigger than what mankind can manufacture. And if I'm going to hope in something that's real, it has to be something that is much larger, much bigger, much more in, uh, inclusive, directed to me specifically than what I'm able to do on my own. Where there's no hope, there's another word that fits that category, that, that blank. It's despair. You ever had despair? You ever been trapped by it? It's like an untreated disease that is ever increasing with an infectious appetite that is trying its best to destroy all that is healthy and vibrant and joyful. Despair is vicious. It's like a thief stealing ambition and dreams and visions of what could be. And in its wake, it leaves behind a soul that is dormant and imprisoned, manipulated, paralyzed, and broken. Despair. It embraces a desire to give up. and tries to get us to quit. Despair advances sickness, pollutes a soul, and deadens a heart. The horrible plight of despair leads like a darkened staircase deeper and deeper into a spiring hole of despondency and misery. Solomon took note of this. He said, hope deferred makes, watch this, a heart sick. But when the desire comes, when there's that glimmer of hope, when you begin to start turning it around just a bit, and you begin to look beyond your certain, your, 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 your con, those conditions that you're living in. When you can begin to see that there's something more than where you are. The desire comes, it's like a, a tree of life. Solomon's proverb says, hope is life. 
We don't have to surrender to despair. Hope, hope is the opposite of despair. Hope actually sustains us during despair. Hope chases away despair like the beam of sunlight breaking through the darkness on the breaking of, a, of the dawn of a new day. All around our community, you don't have to drive far. In fact, you can walk outside and you can see it. You can see the result of some really cold weather that happened recently with the plants. In fact, I don't think I've ever seen in my lifetime how shrubbery has been affected by the zero-degree weather that we experience right around Christmas time. Plants around everywhere that looks brown and bad and looks like they're dead. They've dropped their leaves, what normally would be uh, leaves of green, some maybe not as vibrant as they are in the springtime or summer, but they still keep leaves of green. That's really why they call them evergreen, right? But yet they are brown and it looks like they're dying. And everyone's wondering, are my plants going to make it or are we going to have to replace a bunch of shrubs this year? Have you not wondered that already? I have. But if you go to some of those plants, not every one of them, and you start just breaking the little branches, you know what you find? Life. Life is there. If it's a little bit of green, there's life. The code could not destroy. That's what is being talked about here by Solomon. It's a tree of life. Hope is to our spirits. Everybody take a deep breath. Go ahead and suck it in. Yeah, that's what hope is. It's oxygen. To your body. And when we don't have enough oxygen to breathe, guess what? We die. When we don't have hope, our spirit dies. Hope then is essential to life because when hope is gone, then life for all intentions and purposes is over. So what is a better definition of, of hope rather than what we find in Webster's? Well, the Bible doesn't really give us a concise definition. However, the definition that I want to share with you in a moment is, is the Bible's basically basic philosophy of hope. It's like this. Hope is the expectation based on who? The promises of God. That's what hope is. God's hope... The hope that I, that carried me through last year, that carried so many of you through last year, it was based on God's promises. Just a few weeks ago, remember, I gave you a whole bunch of promises. So which one of them really fits you right now? 
One of those promises that, that fit me quite well was that God was never going to leave me or forsake me no matter what it was I went through. Didn't matter. That's real hope. That's the kind of hope that humanity needs. It's not based on what mankind's able to do, but it's based on the promises of God and what He's able to do. It's not based on feelings or desire or positive thoughts. It's based on the promises of God. There, this is real hope, the hope that humanity needs. Why? Because hope carries us through. Hope is a powerful force. When you have hope, it has the ability to broaden your perspective. It gets you beyond your current circumstances. Hope has the ability to, to give you the opportunity to see that there could be change. It's life-giving. Hope is the expectation that something better waits for me. It's not based on wishful thinking, but a firm assurance of what is to come. So I thought about that. I want to make sure that we understand what hope is, and that we can have hope. There's a lot of different kinds of hope that we find in Scripture. I want to focus on two. Two facets of hope. The first one is this, a hope for the future. In John 14, Jesus prepares his disciples for what's about to come. And he shares with them about a future promise. He's already told his disciples that soon he's going to die. You can, you can really understand the heartache that they must have felt in hearing those words. On top of that, after he tells them he's going to die, he, they also learn that one of them that has been following with them is going to betray, is going to betray Jesus. So they're all, wow, it's got to be heartbreaking even more. And he goes on and he says, hey, Peter, guess what? You're going to deny me three times. I mean, if it's not bad enough that their life had just taken this devastating turn, he piles it on with this. He's telling them the truth. And I suspect Jesus was looking at them as to how devastated they were seeing it on their faces. He is able to go much deeper than that, as he is able to do with us. And he looks and he sees that they have a troubled heart. And he says this, Great words of comfort. Do not let your hearts be troubled. How many times have those words ever brought comfort to you? Don't let your heart be troubled. Why? Because Jesus can look inside and he sees, hey, 
I understand you've got a troubled heart. I understand there are circumstances out there all around that can cause you to have a troubled heart, but he gives us this promise. He gives us these words. Don't let your hearts be troubled. And he says this, you believe in God? You believe in something that is much greater than your circumstances? You believe in something that goes well beyond where you are right now and gives you hope? If you believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go, watch this, and if I go, here it is, to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. That is my future. That is my hope for the future. Though his disciples were facing this, these troubled times, maybe some of the most toughest times in their life up to this point, especially following Jesus, Jesus says, hey, I've got a promise for you that something better is coming. A better day, a better place. He's saying basically, hey, I've got something, men, that you can cling to. You can have as an anchor. Ever thought about heaven? The more people that I love that leave this world and are Christ followers and their destiny is heaven makes me think about heaven more and more. I wish, I wish just one of those people would come back and tell me about what heaven's all about. Wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. I wish within minutes after my mom's passing before they came and took her body away to do and make preparation for all the things they had to do. My mom loved to say, fooled you. And there were many instances where she would say to us, her sons, and she really liked saying it to my dad, fooled you. I wish she'd have popped up like, 10 minutes after she drew her last breath and looked at me and said, food you! And started telling me what she witnessed in those first 10 minutes of what heaven looked like. We get a glimpse of it, what awaits us if we're believers. In Revelation 21, it says there are we're told of golden streets, of jasper walls, of gates of pearl, and a crystal river. Revelation tells us of a city that's made up of precious gemstones. The beauty of our heavenly home is, why, it's indescribable. We can't comprehend what it is that our loved ones are enjoying if they're there. It's so much 
better. This is what Jesus is getting across to them. Man, there's something better, and I'm going there, and eventually you get to come also. There's a hope for a future. That's what the most familiar verse in all of the Bible has to say, for God so loved the world, say it with me, that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? That's it. I have a future. And knowing that gives me hope. When we get that heavenly perspective and we begin to focus on that, all of a sudden it makes all the things here kind of look different, does it not? The question is, do we really believe that Jesus tells us what he has to say to us about heaven and eternal life? Do we believe that we, he has gone there to prepare a place for us? I read this illustration about Ernest Hemingway, who once said, Life is just a dirty trick. A short journey from nothingness to nothingness. There is no remedy for anything in life. Hear the despair. Man's destiny in the universe is like a colony of ants on a burning log. You remember what happened to him? But there's the reverse of this. Maybe you've heard this. Y'all familiar with Steve McQueen? Known as the King of Cool. Great actor. At one time was making more money than any other Hollywood actor was making. Pretty tough guy. Always portrayed that way on the screen. Problem was, success had filled his life so much until alcohol and a failed marriage left him empty. In his despair, he decided that he would attend a crusade led by none other than Billy Graham. And in that crusade, Steve McQueen made a profession of faith. And he thought so much about it that eventually he wanted to have an opportunity to talk with Billy Graham. So on a connecting flight, the story goes to Los Angeles, it allowed Dr. Graham to spend a couple hours with Steve McQueen in the actor's limousine. And it says that Billy Graham shared numerous scriptures in his quest to give spiritual hope and assurance because one of the things he was still struggling with is how, how could God love me, all the bad stuff that's happened in my life? And how could God give eternal life to a man who has such a checkered past? Legitimate questions. And Billy Graham tried to 
share with him scripture. He finally turns to a verse that's found in Titus chapter 1 verse 2 that was a promise and it was a promise that Steve McQueen was able to, to, to take as his own and find comfort and hope in. And it says this in that verse, with a hope of what eternal life which God cannot lie promised long ages ago. In that, McQueen found hope. He requested something to write down the verse, but Billy Graham said, I'm going to give you something else. And he gives Steve McQueen his personal Bible. It wasn't too long after that that Steve McQueen had cancer. dies at the age of 50 in 1980 in Mexico while he's seeking an experimental treatment for this terminal cancer. He passed into eternity, the story goes, with that Bible in hand that Billy Graham had given to him. Christ is our hope for eternal life. Romans 3, verse 623 says, For the wages of sin is death. Man, that's hopeless. That's despair. But the gift of God is eternal life. Eternal life. Where? Not in ourselves. Not in my acts. Not in what the world says. My eternal life is in Jesus Christ, our Lord, my Lord. My hope for the future is eternal life in heaven. I have a hope for the future, and it's because of Jesus. And there is no other way to acquire this eternal life except through the gift of God that's found in Jesus Christ. I'm grateful to know that I have this hope for the future. I hope you are as well. But there's another facet of Christian hope that I have. And I call this a right now hope. It's right now. It's not something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, I have that. But I have something that I can walk through this day that I could walk through 2022 and 21 and 20 do you know it's been three years ago this week that when COVID came about in our country three years it was true when all of that started and it's true today that I have hope that not only gives me a future but it's a hope for right now for the present Jeremiah 29, 11, you know it. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's right now, hope. There's hope for right now because Jesus is an overcoming Savior. 
John 16, 33 says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace in this world. You're going to have trouble, but take heart. Another way of saying, have hope. I have overcome the world. Troubles and trials and tribulations, well, they're going to come. But Jesus tells us to have a heart filled with hope because He has overcome. And His plan and His purpose for our lives far outseeds our understanding and expectation and supersedes the present reality. Maybe even our present difficulties. This is the kind of hope that's right now, hope that Abraham had. He held on to it even when circumstances would have led him most to despair. He had been promised by God descendants as numerous as the stars he may remember in heaven and sand upon the seashore, Genesis 22, 7. But he and his wife Sarah, well, all hope seemed to fail because they, she was barren. They had no children. They were getting old. But Abraham never lost hope. Because there was hope in God's promise. Romans 4.18 notes this, even when there was no reason for hope, Abraham, he kept hoping, believing he would become the father of many nations. For God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. There it is. Years later noted by the New Testament writers of the hope that Abraham had. He didn't fall victim to despair. He kept hoping in the promises of God. He could have easily fallen there. He could have easily gone into depression. No one to carry on his name. No one to carry on his legacy. But Abraham, he knows where his hope lays. And instead of turning away... He turns to God. And in spite of all of his frustrations and fears, he actually turns them over to God, and he knows that God's got a plan for him, a future, and hope. His hope was a right-now kind of hope that carried him through the difficult days while waiting on God's promises. The same idea is found in the book of Job. Job not only talked about the frailty of life, but he also talked about hope, which didn't seem very possible given all the circumstances that Job found himself in. He, he's literally lost everything. He, he's, like, he's like that tree that's been cut down in the prime of life with, with only an old stump left. And even though he felt this way, there was still hope in his heart. And he says this, at least there is hope for a tree. If it's cut down, it will sprout again, and its new shoots will not fail. Its roots may grow old in the ground, and its stump die in the soil. Yet the scent of water, it will, with the scent of water, it will bud and put forth shoots like a plant. Do you see the hope that he has? It's a right now hope in spite of what he's going through. Maybe that's where some of you are today. Like him, you experience loss. Maybe finances are a wreck, or family's 
all messed up or your health. What holds this story so different to so many mothers, others, however, is, is that in the angst of all those terrible, horrible circumstances, Job doesn't, he doesn't criticize or complain to God. Instead, we see from the verse that he, he worshiped God through it all. He writes later on, naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. You know, where, see the, where this is? It's soon after all of these bad things have happened in, in the first chapter. After he's had all this bad news, here's what he says. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You see what he's doing? He's still praising God. He said, my hope is not found in myself. My hope is not found in my friends or in my, in my family. My hope is not found in humanity. But his hope was in the Lord. And I gave him a, a right now hope. He goes on to say many verses and chapters later. And after my body has decayed, yet in my body, watch this, I will see God. I will see God. He blessed and he thanked God, having faith in him. And that faith gave him a hope. You know the rest of the story, don't you? Eventually he was given so much more than what he had in the first place. Job had a right now. Hope, and he had a future hope. And then finally, there's King David. In the sixth Psalm, he writes this, I am weary with my groaning all night. I make my bed swim. I drench my couch with tears. My eye wa waste away. My, my eye waste away because of grief. It's a horrible moment he's feeling. But David knew something greater than this. He doesn't stop there. He knew that God, he knew God and that he, God possessed a hope for him and would see him through his grief. A hope that no matter how dark it may seem, there's always light and joy at the end. A hope he encourages us to possess. He goes on and writes this. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all you who hope in the Lord. When problems and difficulties have the potential to devastate us, we face things very suddenly. We find out about a disease or an illness or a betrayal of a friend or family member. For the believer in Christ Jesus, in spite of all of that, we have hope. We know God, and we know that He's never going to leave us or forsake us. Lamentations 3.24 says, The Lord is my portion, says my soul. 
Therefore, I will hope in him. In times of distress, we can hold tightly to the hope, to the promises of God, to be our portion. It's the type of hope in God, His goodness and His power, that causes us to be refreshed, to have courage during those difficult challenges that would give us strength to overcome our despair. We can have a heart filled with hope that allows us to face whatever it is that's coming up. It's no wonder the old hymn, Great is Thy Faithfulness. When you get to the third verse, it, you sing it with crescendo. Strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Christian hope is distinguished from the worldly hope because it's uniquely grounded upon the fact of who Jesus is and what he accomplished through his death and resurrection. First Peter notes this. Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a, watch this, living hope that through living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That's where our hope comes from. He is the fulfillment of hope, the fulfillment of God's promises. And all of God's promises and all of God's earthly activity, including where we are and having that right relationship, it is centered in Jesus Christ. So I can confidently tell you today, and I hope that there's no mistake about it, and I hope you can say the same thing, that I have hope because I have Jesus. Can you say that? It's a living hope. It's a right now hope that leads me into a future hope. Is your hope in Jesus? That's what his coming was all about. For us to find hope, a living hope. So that when we call upon him in faith, he begins to move and change us from the inside out to prove to us that he is there for us that is on our side and that if we'll just yield completely to him we'll begin to to build our hope because the closer we get to Jesus the easier it is to to experience that hope that he gives the more we exercise faith in him the greater ability we have to place our hope in him and to overcome the circumstances of daily life hardships that we encounter this is why we have the ability to never give up when times get tough and that on the other side of the, all the difficulty and trials we can say man I made it through that I made it through that 
my hope, my faith is stronger. Do you have that hope? Hope in the Lord? To have every reason to keep on trusting Him? Do you have it? Would you pray with me, please? The words of that old song. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean, wholly lean on Jesus' name. Can that be your song today? Maybe you're here today and you've never placed your life in the hands of Jesus. You may know about him, but you don't know him. And if you don't know him, your only source of hope is what the world offers. And the reality of it is that 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 hope is going to run out. You won't be able to depend on it for eternal life. When you draw your last breath, your hope is done. But on the other hand, if you give your life to Christ, you have eternal hope, a future hope. And in the meantime, you get a right now hope through the infusion and the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Because when you give your life to Christ, you you receive the gift of God through the Holy Spirit that comes to, to guide you and help you and provide comfort to assist you. It's a great hope. Maybe you're here today and you haven't received that gift yet. Well, I encourage you, ask Jesus to save you. Invite him into your life and discover that hope. And maybe you're here today, you've already done that, but some reason life is just just trying to pull you under and circumstances are all around you that's just too tough right now and your hope is not as fresh as it could be and you're wondering God where are your promises I I, I need to hear from you I encourage you to, to give it to God say I'm waiting for you God to build my faith to grant me to keep my hope alive because I truly believe in your promises. A good place to start doing that is right here in this altar. To really claim the promise of hope. So in a moment, I'm going to encourage you, if, if you have some kind of business that you need to do with God that, and the very 
first words of our invitation time. You don't hesitate. You come and settle it with God right now. Right now. As we stand and as we sing, move out and let God do a work in your life. Please stand. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed. help but wonder as I hear that beautiful hymn, that invitation hymn and so was used by the Billy Graham crusade of that night that Steve McQueen heard that song he says I give it I give my heart to Jesus I made the difference in the destiny of where he's spending eternity today. If you're not sure, I hope this day doesn't end before you say, I'm giving my life to you just as I am. It's my prayer. That's my hope. Maybe may be seated, please. Just a couple of uh, quick announcements. Um, we'll let you know if you are a part of the Tuesday night men's Bible study. Uh, this coming week and this week only, uh, that Bible study is going to be meeting on Wednesday evening um, at 7 p.m. instead of Tuesday. So guys that are part of that Tuesday night Bible study, this coming week it's going to be on Wednesday instead of Tuesday. Um, also, our Friday friends... 
um, are going to be meeting this coming Friday. That's at 11 o'clock. And so, uh, ladies, we enjoy, uh, we, we invite you to uh, come and be a part of that. Uh, always a good time. And, uh, man, they are just uh, doing a great job being the hands and feet of Jesus in this community. Ladies' Bible studies are in full swing. Men's Bible studies are in full swing. Not too late. You can still join in. We're almost getting to that point, though. So if it's you're just on the cusp of whether should I, should I, jump in. This is a good time. So um, also this coming um, Friday, not this coming Friday, but Friday, February 10th at 7 o'clock, um, it's a date night for um, just for the summer. Uh, date night, movie night, and uh, child care is provided. Sign-ups are in the foyer. You can see Miss Lynn Durham about that. She'll be able to give you some information about that. A good time, fun time, and come and be a part of that. This coming Sunday, a week from today, immediately after service, uh, we are going to be having a short reception uh, just outside. It's going to be a, an informal thing, um, but just uh, an opportunity for you to uh, love on Mike and Rose and all their boys. Um, that'll be their last Sunday here before they move on uh, to their next uh, leg ministry there. And so we're praying for them, and, and um, we're just uh, so thankful to God's being faithful here. And um, so we, we uh, are working on things uh, so that uh, ministry is going to continue. And um, so, Pastor Mike, Steve. Steve. I'm Steve Durham. Nice to meet you. I'm looking at him back there. We're all just kind of running on six cylinders today or four or something. And, well, just kind of follow that up. I, I want to present to you, and I'm happy to present to you, a, a new staff member that will be joining us. We'll not be taking Mike's place because no one can take Mike's place, but we'll be joining us to serve as our children's director, uh, Courtney Miller. Courtney, I'm going to ask you to come stand up here with me, please. This is Courtney. Her mom and her son are here with her today, and thank you for being here. Courtney will be joining us as our interim children's director. I've known Courtney's dad for a long time. Courtney will be joining us part-time for the time being. Uh, she is a, a teacher with Rutherford County Schools um, during her daytime job. In the meantime, she has uh, served in a lot of different capacities. She's been uh, volunteer as, at Children's uh, at Journey Camp with the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. She was choir director at the Stevens Street Baptist Church in Cookville while she was in college up there. Well, was it college? Yeah, up there. Uh, a volunteer for the Youth Evangelism Conference for many, many years that many of our folks have gone to. Uh, she has um, uh, a teaching degree, a Master of Arts degree in English Language Learning and a uh, also a BS degree in elementary education with a minor in music and has a lot of skills and has already has put together a lot of organizational charts and things and activities and, and just blew me away by all of her abilities to just pull things together and say this is where, where, we, want our, where we want our children's ministry to go. We want them to become kingdom kids. And that's what Pastor Mike has been working towards, and Courtney will be joining our staff to help in that process to keep it going. So would you welcome Courtney to our church this morning and to our staff. Bless you, Courtney. Yeah. I know that you'll be supported. I know that you'll want to get to know Courtney in the days that are ahead, and if you've been involved in children's ministry, that you will want to keep on working with Courtney and, and uh, assisting her and what it is to um, 
bring children to Jesus Christ. And here, what she wrote, uh, desire to help children learn their identity and who they are in Christ and discover His truth, to help students experience Bible stories and truth through interactive experiences. And I want you, I, want, I know you'll want to be a part of that, helping that mission here. So thank you, Courtney, and we welcome you. Yeah. I also want to make a couple of really good announcements. Um, we have had some families who have said, hey, we want to become a part of the family of Sunset Hills Baptist Church. So I'm going to ask these families to stand. You may already know, well, some of them I know you know, but others you may not have gotten to know yet. But uh, both of these families have been attending our church for a while, one of them for a pretty good while. It's been very involved. That's the Hearn family. But today, we make it official that they are part of the membership of, of Sunset Hills Baptist Church. Actually, Keegan said long time ago, like almost a year ago now, hey, we want to talk to you about joining the church, and then, you know, some things happened in their life, and we never had that conversation until the other night. So I'm going to ask Keegan and Sandy. Where's Sandy? Is she? Are you over there? Hey, you're not sitting with your husband. There were no chairs. That's a good problem. And, and their children, uh, Ethan, Owen, Addie, and Alex, and some of them are out. You guys stand up, please. Yeah. And there's... We welcome into you into our into our uh, into our into this ministry here, and <laughs> you already been involved. Sandy's part of the worship team and has a beautiful voice, and uh, so we, we have been blessed by your presence already, and we look forward to what God's going to do. Also, want to thank you. You can be seated now. Also, want to introduce uh, another family to you, and they're way back in the back. This is Bob and Elizabeth Cheeseman. Would you guys please stand? And they, they too came to me and said, hey, we want to be part of the work in the ministry here. And they, they have a, I, I spent, well, we spent a good hour and a half or so together, and I've spent other times with them this past week getting to know them and what a great story they have and, and really a, a, a story of where they have given much to the, build the kingdom of God and sacrificed much. They came here from um, out west, Montana or Wyoming? Washington. I was... <laughs> Somewhere out there from Washington. But they lived in different states uh, through the years, and um, so they came to us and moved here to be closer to their family, and we're grateful that, that they're here. We're going to try to teach Bob to have a southern accent. I don't know. <laughs> going to have to work on that some. All right. Sir? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You ready to go home? Hey, I can preach again if you're not. Would you please stand? Thank you so much for being here this morning, especially those that are guests. Special time that you're here. We appreciate you coming. We hope you come back and join us again soon. And in the meantime, may we leave this place just looking for God to do some really great things in our lives as we hope in Him. Let's pray again. Father, we're grateful for this day, for your love, 
for your mercy, forgiveness of sin, made available by grace. We're grateful that we are part of your family. We're grateful for these that have come to be a part of this work here. We pray that you just bless what they do, but also, Father, may, may they be a blessing to others and to us. And may our church family go beyond the walls of this building into the community and make a difference this week in our attitudes and our actions towards others that points people to Jesus Christ. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Hi, good morning. This is Kelly. I want to take a moment to personally thank you for joining us for today's live stream. I hope today's message was encouraging and inspiring for you. You know what? We would love to hear from you. If you're here today and you made a decision for Christ, or maybe you just have a simple prayer request, we would love to know about that. You can text the word prayer to 615-776-1807. One of her pastors will be back in touch with you. Hey, if you're in the neighborhood, we'd love to see you in person. You can join us for life groups at 9 a.m. or blended worship at 10 a.m. Let me say this, from your youngest family member to your family member that has the most years of life experience, we have a place for you. You know, I believe that we're living in unprecedented times. People all around us are looking for sources of hope. And you and I, we both know where that hope is found. We have a God who loves us and he wants to meet us right where we are. But you know what? He loves us too much to keep us there. So come and join us, whether online or in person. We would love to shake your hand, give you a smile, and do life with you here at Sunset Hills. Have a great week, everybody.